Chapter Twenty One of Our Army at the Front. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Our Army at the Front by Hayward Brown. Chapter Twenty One. Teufelhunden. No branch of the service in the American Army was so quick to achieve group consciousness as the Marines. To be sure, these soldiers of the sea had a considerable tradition behind them before they came to France. The world is never so peaceful that there is nothing for the Marines to do. Always there is some spot for them to land and put a situation into hand. It is no fault of the Marines that most of these brushes have been little affairs, and they have found, as Mr. Kipling says, that the things you learn from the yellow and brown will help you a heap with a white. The Navy Department has always been careful to preserve the position of the Marines. The organisation has never lacked for intelligent publicity. First to fight was a slogan which brought many a recruit into the Corps. Even the dreary work of policing which falls largely to the Marines has been dramatised to a certain extent by that fine swaggering couplet of their song, If the Army or the Navy ever gaze on heaven's scenes, they will find the streets are guarded by United States Marines. The belief that the Marines would make a distinctive mark in the Great World War was practically unanimous. Army officers couldn't deny it. War correspondents hastened to proclaim it. And the Germans admitted it by bestowing the name Teufelhunden, Devil Dogs, on the Marines immediately after their first engagement. The Marines themselves were second to no one in the consciousness of their own prowess. I understand, said a little Marine, just two days off the transport, that this Kaiser isn't afraid of the American Army so much, but that he's afraid of the Marines. The boy didn't say whether one of his officers had told him that, but his belief was passionate and complete. However, the Marines did not allow their high confidence to interfere in any way with their preparations. They showed the same anxiety to make good on the training fields that they later displayed on the line. Their camp in the American area was just a bit further from the centre of things than that of any other organisation. Whenever there was a review or a special show of any sort for a distinguished visitor, the Marines had to march 12 miles to attend, and after that it was 12 miles home again. But they thrived on hard work. They shot, bayoneted and bombed, just a little better than any other organisation in the 1st Division. Sometimes individual Marines would complain a little about the fact that they were worked harder than any men in the division, but they always took care to add that they had finished the construction of their practice trench system days before any of the others. And they mentioned the fact that they had achieved this result by working in day and night shifts. It was never possible to tell whether they were airing a grievance or making a boast. It is probable there was something of the mind of Job, whose boils were both a tribulation and a triumph. There was no doubt as to the opinion of the Marines when it seemed for a time as if they might not get into the fighting. They did not go into the trenches with the 1st Division, but were broken up and sent to various points for police duty. Of course they were bitterly disappointed, but they merely policed a little harder, and it was a severe winter for soldiers who went about with their overcoats unbuttoned or committed other breaches of military regulation. Since the Marines did hard work well, they were rewarded by more hard work, and this was labour more to their taste. The reward came suddenly. On May the 30th, 
a unit of marines was in a training camp so far back of the lines that it was impossible to hear the sound of the guns even when the germans turned everything loose for a big offensive on that same day the germans reached the marne east of chateau thierry and began an advance along the north bank towards the city that night the marines were ordered to the front they rode almost a hundred kilometres to get into the fight it was late afternoon when they reached a hill overlooking chateau thierry french guns all about them were being fired up to their very limit or a little beyond the germans were coming on these marines had never been in battle before with the exception of a few who had chased little brown rebels in various brief encounters on small islands they'd never been under shell fire and this their first engagement was one of the biggest in the greatest war in history from the hill they could see houses fold up and the fields pucker under the pounding of big guns the marines were told that as soon as darkness came they would march into the town and hold the bridges against the german army which was coming on somebody asked a french officer some days later how these green troops had taken their experience as they waited the word to go forward they were concombres said the frenchman our word is cucumbers finally the order came for the advance it was a dark night but the marines could see their way forward well enough the german bombardment had set fire to the railroad station the americans kept in the shadows as much as they could but they danced around so much that it was difficult they placed their machine guns here and there behind walls and new barricades so they could enfilade the approaches to the bridges and the streets on the opposite side of the river one lieutenant with twelve men and two guns took up a position across the river it was up to him to stand off the first rush the shelling from the enemy guns was intensified during the night but the infantry had not yet reached the town it was five o'clock of a bright morning when the little advance post of the americans saw the germans coming across the open field toward the river they were marching along carelessly in two columns and there were twelve men in every line one of the machine guns swung her nose round a little and the fight was on at last the american was definitely in one of the major engagements of the war american machine gunners were doing their bit to block the advance on paris all day long the marines held the germans back with their machine guns and that night they beat back a german mass attack when the boches came on and on in waves with men locked arm in arm they could hear them for they sang as they rushed forward and the machine gunners pumped their bullets into the spots where the notes were loudest the next day the americans were forced to give some ground when the order came to retire but they had been through perhaps the most intensive two days of training which ever fell to the lot of green troops the marines did not have to wait long for retaliation other units and marines from other camps had been hurrying up to the front and on june the sixth an offensive was launched on a front of two and a half miles the first day's gain was two and three sixteenth miles and a hundred prisoners were captured this attack yielded all the important high ground northwest of chateau thierry the marines did not rest with this gain they struck again at five o'clock in the afternoon and by june the seventh the attack had grown to much greater proportions four villages vinley voili la potere torcy bourreches fell into the hands of the french and americans 
the thrust was pressed to a maximum depth of two miles on a ten-mile front more than three hundred prisoners were captured by the americans the attack was carried out under american command major general james g harbord being in charge of the operation as in the contigny offensive the americans worked with great speed and showed that they could make the rifle an effective weapon even under the changed conditions of modern warfare but though they were swift they were not silent they went over the top shouting like indians and they kept up the noise as they went forward the second attack was carried out by the same men who had advanced in the morning the early showing had been so promising that it was decided to go on particularly as the germans seemed to be somewhat shaken by the violence of the assault in this new sweep the marines took ground on either side of Belleau wood they also captured the ravine south of torcy the germans were not able to organize an effective counter-attack immediately for they had been too much surprised by the thrust also the effective work of the american artillery made it difficult for the germans to bring up fresh troops in the rough country over which the battle was fought there was an opportunity for the fight to disintegrate into the little eddies where individual initiative counts for so much in a fight nearly thoroughly captain james o'green jr found himself cut off by the germans he was accompanied by five privates back at regimental headquarters green had already been reported as killed or captured he proved the need of clerical revision for he and his men fought their way back to the american lines at one point ten germans tried to intercept him but the six americans succeeded in killing or wounding every member of the enemy party a single marine who was taking back a prisoner ran into two german officers and ten men he fell upon them with a rifle and bayonet and disposed of both officers and several of the men then he made his escape somebody told the marine when he got back to the american lines that he had certainly been in luck hell no said the fighting man and took my prisoner away from me still another marine was captured while dazed by a blow on the head he recovered in time to deal his captor a tremendous punch on the jaw and made his way back to the american lines the favourite slogan of the americans was each man get a german don't let a german get you early on june the eighth the germans launched a counter-attack against the american position between boyseches and litiole this attack broke down the trenches which the americans held were new and shallow but the troops were well supplied with machine guns and the german infantry never got closer than within a couple of hundred yards of the position the marines were not yet content with their success they took the initiative again on june the tenth and smashed into the german lines for about two-thirds of a mile on a six hundred yard front in this attack two mine and Werfer were captured the object of the attack was to clean out bellow wood the germans retained only the northern fringe by this time the offensive had ceased to be a wholly marine affair the ninth and twenty-third regiments of infantry comprising what is known as the syracuse brigade took up their positions on the right of the soldiers of the sea during the next few days the germans made several violent counter-attacks but without success and on june the twenty sixth the americans pushed their gains still further by a successful assault south of torcy in which more than two hundred and fifty germans were captured this victory gave pershing's men absolute command of the bosti below 
which was the strategic point for which the germans had fought so hard it was after the chateau thierry offensive that for the first time the american army won a place in the german official communique before that they had been simply the enemy and once upon the occasion of a successful german raid north american troops but now berlin unbent a little and used the term an american regiment germany was prepared to admit that america was in the war it is just possible that some of their men who broke before the rush of the marines returned to give headquarters the information End of chapter twenty one